0: Before we begin, we have a favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please help us spread the word about the show. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Another way is to tell a fellow art teacher. Either way, it helps others find the show. The Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast has a lot of information regarding teaching art, not just for tab teachers but for anyone who is looking to further their understanding of children in a choice-based classroom. This show is about finding new ways to engage children and help them find their voice through visual arts. Welcome to the Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. My name is Clark Freilich,
1: And I'm Clyde Gaw.
0: And we're back finally doing a podcast after a break.
1: It's, it's, yeah. We've been a little, just a little bit busy like everybody else.
0: Having to deal with all the other stuff, but besides that.
1: We've been teaching, working through COVID, working through uh, uh, educational legislation that is anti, anti-intellectual, anti-teacher, anti-student, and um, on top of that, just you know, lots of uh, reflecting on our practice.
0: And that kind of folds into what I thought w- would be a good topic today would be something that you've written about and we talk a lot about. Um, it would be the, uh, the the healing power of art. And the part of art that we see a lot of in our our studios, in our classrooms.
1: We are uh, practitioners of emergent creativity, emergent curricula, and um, emergent learning experience. And from those kinds of uh, learning situations, from our observation... We witness, we are first-hand witnesses to the healing power of authentic art education.
0: Right. Just on the surface level, when we implement a classroom based around teaching for artistic behavior, one of the first things uh, we notice and people talk about is they think it's going to be chaotic uh, because of the, the belief that there is lack of structure. And yet when you give children the power to control what they're doing and how they're doing it, they're engaging both their mind and their and their physical hands, a lot of the, the behavior issues at the surface level disappear. Um, but I think the healing power that art has goes beyond just that level, that shallow level of, you know, that behavior, that visible thing that we see in our classrooms.
1: Any kind of authentic art experience has a a therapeutic value to it. And if it's, if the value is just in maintaining a regulated emotional realm uh, for people who are not affected by various mental conditions, psychological conditions, Uh, But also for children and any individual who's affected by a trauma or a uh, anxiety, there is immense benefit to uh, authentic creative experience.
0: And you mentioned trauma. We've been dealing with trauma for the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed it more this year than last year. In that as we come out of the shadows of COVID, how children, at least in my experience in the K4 age level, how the trauma hasn't affected them in their developmental realm as far as socially, spatially, yep. their lack of attention, their lack of the ability to recall information,
1: what about empathic, uh, do, you, do you think, from an empathic standpoint, do you think it's affected them?
0: Well, empathy, yeah. There's just a whole range of characteristics yeah. of um, Indica- indicators, indicators that, yeah, that um,
1: we're seeing. You, we observe them. Yeah, we observe them every day. We observe them every day, and, you know, it's it's interesting, I mean, there's a lot of folks who are interested in the healing power of art and and how schools can provide place for that to happen but i think the the beauty of the tab classroom the tab studio is that there's many different ways to meet the diverse classroom group's needs because you have a a room set up that's designed to meet heterogeneous needs of a classroom group, you know, instead of parachuting children all into a creative, expressive activity where you know they're they're all going to be doing a painting, it might be better for a child who's averse to making messes. And I have this issue. I have a child in my classroom. He doesn't want to paint. He doesn't like paint. And uh, so uh, it's the tab classroom can easily accommodate that type of a situation because we're the room is already set up for diverse learning opportunities with diverse materials and diverse conceptual provisions to provide for all kinds of art learning and going back to what diane jake would say that art is a big subject and in the tab classroom right. we can do multitude of learning and self-expressive activity all at the same time.
0: Right, I've seen more experimentation this year than in the past where kids wanna spend more time, and I'm gonna air quote this, playing with materials. And not playing in a bad sense, but getting to learn what the materials and things can do. So they they spend more time playing with sensory, you know, with the paints. Uh-huh. They love to put their hands in the paints. They love the clay. They love to squeeze the clay. Um, See, I,
1: I have some kids who who won't. They you know they don't want to get messy. They yeah. don't want to get. They don't. They want to work with a hard edge material, yeah. uh, a clean material. Yeah, but like you're saying, that the benefit of having a variety of materials right. available is you can you can meet those needs.
0: Yeah, so they can. I mean, it's my job as a teacher or tab teachers not to create 150 Vincent Van Goghs or Claude Monet's or Frida Kahlo's. But I'm, I'm trying to find an avenue for kids to, you know, they're learning about themselves through the materials that they choose and the, through the things that they do. Um, we want them to enjoy what they do, to have that spark of creativity, that spark of curiosity of figuring out, you know, what can I do with this material? And yet, I still have kids who are, they want to stay on their sketchbook. And that's their their single focus is, I'm going to do this. And they're not going to worry about the other stuff yet. So, you know, you have both sides where I've seen the kids who want, who are working in their sketchbook and drawing, they want to stay in there a little harder or more than they would in the
1: past. They, they want to stay with that with that uh, media.
0: Yeah, it might be there. That's that's where they're figuring things out, and they don't want to go outside that. That's their comfort zone. Right. And yet you have other kids who seem to be lost, who find enjoyment in working with different materials, but will spend more time working with different materials as in the past.
1: So, so I, I have two thoughts thinking about what you just talked about with respect to children who they want to stay with that specific media and by going deep into that pathway they're able to explore ideas from the internal realm and particularly if they're feeling anxiety anger now we're not psychoanalysts we're not art our therapists our, our expertise is in creative learning situation and emergent curricula and art but we we can see that children are expressing ideas related to experience that they can't get at in a regular classroom situation. Allowing the provision to go deep into a media allows the child empowerment, control, and that experimental opportunity to explore ideas that they really can't explore in any other place in the school. So there's, so there's that benefit of the TAB classroom. The other thing I wanted to talk about was you had mentioned the TAB classroom as the special place where kids, uh, they're doing diverse activities in there. And this gets back to our friend Nona Orbach in her book, which each of us have her book, The Good Enough Studio. Um, Nona talks about Alfred Adler the social aspect of being in the space of the of the studio the atelier the french word for studio the french word for workshop being in there with a group of peers sharing language sharing not just not just spoken and oral language but visual language and seeing what other folks are doing it's like the group dynamic belonging to the group being able to share with the group to share with peers that in and of itself that social dynamic the phenomenological experience of being able to be with one's peers in a highly creative situation that is that's therapeutic, and it, it helps one, it helps you feel satisfied. Yeah, it,
0: it releases or it lowers the cortisol in the brain.
1: Yep. So when, when a kid
0: comes in and you can tell they're anxious, and they sit down and they start working, you can see them kind of, they get into their groove, and, and when it time's up, they're like, oh, no, we don't want to end. And I can, I totally get that. This is their happy place. They're comfortable here, you know, and they're calming down. I have several students who throughout the year, their schedule is thrown off. Um, You know, yesterday I had a student who, because of our snow days last week, didn't get to do art last Uh week.
1: Uh Oh, that's not
0: good. And then they, so they rescheduled an event for this week and it was going to interfere with his art time. And he was really upset that he wasn't going to do art. We we made arrangements so we could come into the art room. And, you know, kids are giving up their recess to come into the art room. And you've experienced this in the past where they don't want to go do recess. They want to come into the art room. Right. Because this is where they feel safe. This is their safe area. You know, whether it's drawing or just building with cardboard or, you know, just that 30 minutes, they have the power to come in and do something of their own idea. That's very powerful in restoring what they had lost by their schedules being thrown off.
1: Absolutely. You think about the, the way that bad feelings can be processed through artistic expression, self-expression. And so you get, you work those bad feelings out uh, through the creative process, through the artistic process. But because we see so many different children with so many personality types and preferences and interests and strengths, we're, you know, we're prepared on lots of different levels because we have a tab, a tab studio that we can meet their needs, the, div- the diverse needs of the children that we see in our classes.
0: When you were talking about that, it just reminded me of this, uh, something I read in Child Art Therapy. Judith,
1: Judith Aaron Rubin.
0: Yeah, and she said that um, when you're talking about kids drawing, figuring out their emotions, and she said, uh, such explicit dramatizations of children's hostility allow for release of affect and for a temporary discharge of surplus energy. You know, these are the kids who they wanna lash out and yet, you know, they're gonna lash out in their artwork or as Nona said in her um, in her books, how she watches how they make the marks. You know, are they stabbing? Are they punching the clay? Oh my. How, you know, that's just as much important as what they're making, but how they're doing it. Yes informs her. Now she's an art therapist.
1: She really knows what she's doing. She
0: knows what she's doing, but I didn't think about watching kids how they do it and how that informs an art therapist. But yes, I notice that now. I'm like, oh, I notice that the student is now stabbing with markers or, you know, that whole act of releasing that is beneficial to that student
1: absolutely and and what is what also is happening is the child is by the releasing of of this uh emotional energy what is happening is they're calming down the mind is calming down their the emotions are calming down they're able to reorganize their thoughts so and this is Loen this is lohenfeld's thoughts you you have disorganized thought where children they come in with disorganized thought. Well, they, they're
0: thinking with their they're the, not thinking rationally. The lizard
1: lizard brain, no. or <laughs> they they're dis, they ha, they're suffering from disequilibri- uh, disequilibrium, is what lowenfeld would say. Yeah, and by engaging in art activity, they reclaim their equilibrium, their emotional, psychological equilibrium. Again, we're not therapists, but we see the benefit. Right. And we take on children who come to us from all kinds of different circumstances. And, you know, thinking about, we just talked about COVID. We didn't mention yet that nearly 50% of the families in the United States go through divorce. That's a big, big deal in my Book because that rips a child's heart apart, and so they're coming to school, their parents may not be having the best of times, and that affects children deeply. Yeah, and so, and then on top of that, there's the anxiety of school, and the fact that children are being evaluated based on grades, uh, based on uh. uh
0: how they can form data
1: yeah and how, how how well they can answer selected response assessments and there's the whole business of uh, radical behaviorism in the school, consequences for not you know turning homework in on time, uh, consequences for for missed questions, missed answers. There's a lot of stress placed on children in contemporary institutional, school settings k-12 school settings so if i was an art teacher and i and i wasn't doing tab you know what would i take away from this talk or what would i take away from a pedagogy like tab you know i would take whatever i wanted from it and use it as needed i you know that's um, do what do what you can
0: you know, tab is not that special I mean when I started doing tab or learning about tab so many years ago uh, I thought it was just you know this really great idea but it was really if I was to if I was a student and I had my own studio and I could just go in and depending on how I felt maybe I wanted to paint today and I, I could work out my feelings or whatever it is because that's what artists do. They go into the studio, they find some materials, they make some art, and then they clean it up and they put it away. And that, that's all TAB is. It's, I mean, there's nothing fancy about it. It's, it's really honest teaching. You know. And as, as, a, as a teacher in a, in a TAB room, I do less of the standing in front. I'm sitting down working and talking with kids. I have a student teacher this semester that I'm mentoring and, you know, trying to think about when I was going through, it was all about, you know, making sure I had all these great lessons. Yeah. (laughs) And the first thing I told her, I said, you know what? Your lessons, I'm sure are great. What I want you to do is we're going to learn about kids. Yeah. This year is extra special because you're going to learn a lot about kids. Yeah. And there's gonna be days when you're pulling your hair out and there's gonna be days that go really well. It's the roller coaster of teaching and it's gonna take resilience because not only are you new to the profession and you really wanna do it, but you're gonna see a lot of people leave the profession because they've had it with so many things that have happened.
1: Yeah, their their loss of control. um, Yeah. Forces beyond their control. Affecting their their classroom practice, yeah, and um, a lot of teachers are leaving the profession. If we get more of these kinds of uh, legislative initiatives that um, are basically censor censor teachers and uh, narrow curricula, uh, you're going to see even you know a worse situation. Um, you know, you're talking about kids. And um, one of the things uh, that we're faced with is the phenomenon of childhood. You know, childhood is a unique anthropological subject to study. And it, it's, it needs to be studied deeper. Um, I, some of my favorite experts in childhood, um, like David Elkind.
0: Peter Gray. Uh,
1: Peter Gray. lowenfeld of course. Mm, yeah. Uh, I mean, you could uh, go back to Froebel, you could do... Yeah, Froebel. There's there's lots, thinking about um, the process of childhood. It um, has such a great effect on the development of the adult. And so my thing uh, now, my approach is almost like the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. Thinking about my own childhood, which was, you know, my wife kids around with me she's oh stop crying stop (laughs) well no we
0: we romanticize about what it was like growing up we had a lot more freedoms to do things when we were growing up than they do now absolutely and you know the freedom to to leave at eight o'clock in the morning on your bike yeah and not return until five in the afternoon for supper (laughs) and were we up to mischief Probably were we doing things we probably shouldn't do, definitely. <laughs> but know. we didn't have the adult standing over our shoulders watching us twenty four seven.
1: We were engaged in a lot of discovery learning on yeah. our own. It was it was play. It was play and fr- and uh, free range. Yeah, we were free range. But you so, you
0: you read about the hunter gatherers. They're the children in hunter gatherer societies they played but what they ended up playing were things like hunting games yeah you know and so they were learning survival skills it was in context yeah through play
1: and so yeah you think about the school curricula everything's fragmented Uh, a lot of the learning is fragmented i know good teachers are able to take curricula and make it meaningful for children but because of testing sometimes that's really difficult now, now I'm going to stay in my lane, and 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 not speak about s- things that are outside my expertise. But but I know good teachers make learning meaningful and make personal connections with learning. Yeah. But I think with testing and the bureaucratization of schools today and curricula, you got to you know do these things and check this box in yeah. the state standards and check this box off and for a lot of children there is no personal relevance to their to their learning and so they become disengaged
0: here's a perfect example i was talking to a third grade teacher yesterday and we push into their classrooms to help them with their stem the stem stuff is is geared around science and creating and those type of things but I asked her if, if she was ready to work, you know, do the next unit, and she goes, yeah, we got to get going on that because, you know, we might have to push some of that out because in two weeks, I reads coming up. So they're going to yeah. have to remove the science curriculum, yeah. the creating part to do reading to make sure that all third graders can read by the end. Of, you know, they have to pass this wonderful test. Yeah. And then three weeks after that is I learn, And so...
1: High stakes.
0: Yeah. Anytime that we have a snow day or an e-learning day, that's going to remove stuff that the kids really need in order to fill a requirement that all kids take this test. Yeah. You
1: know, I feel for my colleagues who, who have to uh, administer standardized tests yeah. and whose curriculum is... Uh, affected by, the, by those tests. But we, on the other hand, we are the buffers. We get to uh, operate in a dynamic learning okay. setting, learning environment. Our jobs are difficult, they're complex, but I, I love my job, and I'm inspired by many teachers before me, and one of the teachers who really inspires me Who's related to this? Our topic is Friedel Dicker Brandeis, who uh, lived in uh, Germany and uh, Czechoslovakia right before and during World War II. And um, you've heard me speak about her and her situation. She was an artist who was went to the Bauhaus school in the uh, mid '30s and um, was later working with children in uh, after world war ii broke out she was working with children in prague in a a nazi created what they what we would call a ghetto called Theresienstadt. you know the, you had all of these jewish folks were herded into this ghetto and uh dicker brandeis was conducting art class uh, with the children and she was because of her bauhaus training which was very progressive she she knew that for children to be able to tell their story through their art would be beneficial to them and help them survive this hor- horrible catastrophic situation this horror that they were in and many did most of them did not survive Dicker Brandeis' story is so compelling, tragic, uh, but but she is like a hero to me. And from her work, one of her colleagues who escaped Europe, Edith Kramer, then later uh, working with Dicker Brandeis, uh, helped formulate contemporary art therapy. And so we see the roots of clinical art therapy practice come out of an art education experience from Friedel Dicker Brandeis. Her story, uh, I just, you know, it brings tears to my eyes thinking about it sometimes because um, she later was murdered at Auschwitz. She was able to hide several thousand works of her children's art and it was later, maybe it wasn't in thousands, but she was able to save hundreds of her students' works of art, and they're now uh, on exhibition in different museums. Uh, I think one museum in Israel and another in in Europe. Her story, so compelling. I just, I, I we move forward. We yeah. think about the pioneers before us. I think about Kathy Douglas working in a tiny room, you know, working through the concept of tab
0: all the teachers out there who work on carts or giving children that opportunity to create
1: it's you know, it's it's so difficult clark you think about what we do with you know with large class sizes and you know doing 20 28 kids in a room some people would say that's a small room my good friend and colleague susie weinman in los angeles she's doing tab with forty-some kids in her room, it's just and uh, and 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 you know, we have uh, we have colleagues all across the world who are doing similar kinds of things, yeah. and um, our, our hearts go out to all of them. Susie, she is uh, she's something else. She is uh, a a inspiration, just well, an inspiration. We'll have to
0: we'll have to get her on sometime.
1: Oh, we oh she's <laughs> and she's wonderful to speak with also.
0: I think this is a a good place to kind of wrap up our discussion. Seriously, we could talk about this for a long time.
1: Absolutely.
0: But I do want to mention that um, the
1: Institute is... Tab Institute coming up. It's if you're
0: interested in participating in the Tab Institute, if you head over to the MassArt uh, website, the Continuing Education, I think I'll drop a link somewhere on this you can head over there, and it's uh, two weeks this summer. First one is in the end of June, and virtual sessions. Virtual sessions, yeah, for a week. First ones in June, second ones in July.
1: We had a great tab institute last year. It was all virtual. Yeah, it was co- it was compact. This one will be spread out. This is so. a little.
0: We have two more days, so yeah, it'll be nice. Still you June, got packed You, my friend, won an award this year. Did you not? Did you not uh, win do, the Edward Maxidon Award for Outstanding Creative
1: Art Teaching? A colleague of mine, uh, who I think does this podcast <laughs> with me, nominated me. So thank you for nominating me, Clark. I well,
0: it's well-deserved. I mean, it's, that's a good honor. They do some really cool things. It's a great Absolutely. museum. It's uh, hooked up with uh, Indiana University at Bloomington.
1: We're going to be over there this summer.
0: Teaching some kids. Yes.
1: We're going to be there. It's going to be a great time. I want to thank my colleagues at the Art Education Association of Indiana for all of their hard work. You know, we go back to heroes in education. Every art teacher who's providing space and opportunity for kids to obtain a benefit.
0: Just a sliver, something that they can hold on to, a little bit of hope, you know. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. makes their day just a little bit better.
1: All right. I don't know. I. I. Um,
0: I kind of forget how to wrap these things up. I want to thank everyone for listening to us for this last forty minutes. It seems like it's a good talk. It goes by really fast, doesn't it?
1: We still have a lot more to talk about, yeah. but um, we'll get that in later. And a lot more guests we need to call on. We took a little. We took a little hiatus. We just got busy with. Uh, life
0: yeah life life gets in the way
1: sometimes it grabs you by the back of the back of the collar and won't let you go
0: throw me in the alley thank you all for listening and we will see you next time bye bye see you later listening to this episode of the Blocks Paper Scissors podcast. The Blocks Paper Scissors podcast is available from Podbean and iTunes.